welcome to Warren Yara's Yuranuri. I'm recording from the Gadigal land in the heart of Sydney, Australia. Warren Yara is a Gadigal name meaning to seek, which sums up the mission of our health professions education research network here at the University of Sydney. And Yuranuri means many voices, which our podcast represents. So I'd like to pay my respects to the elders past, present and emerging of all the lands on which we're present and to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples listening. And with us are Drs. Merrily Penman and Anne Honey, who are here to talk about their paper published in June 2020, that's volume 83, issue 10 of the British Journal of Occupational Therapy. You actually see what occupational therapists do in real life, outcomes and critical features of first year practice education placements. Hello. Hi. 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 Well, shall we just begin by you telling me a little bit more about yourselves um, and your backgrounds and, and the rationale for the research that led to the publication? I mean, why study first placements? Okay. So if I start, I'm, so I'm Merrily, and uh, I work in work integrated learning in the uh, Faculty of Medicine Health, oh, and Health here at the University of Sydney. And I have overall responsibility for the placements. So we have um, five in our graduate entry master's program and four in our undergraduate program. So very close up with the students and their placements. Yeah. And Oh, also, I'm in occupational therapy academic at the moment. I'm um, the school's director of honours, but back when we did this research, um, I was course director for the undergraduates in OT and I guess we, there was some talk about um, potentially changing first year placements and, and having things like role emerging placements and different things and I guess I felt concerned about it because I knew that the first year placements were quite important to students and so I felt like if, if there were going to be changes made to these placements we really should find out a little bit more about what these placements are you know, what impact they were having on students so that we could make sure that students, if, if the placements were changed, that these students are still going to be getting the best benefit out of the placements. Mm. So it was an interesting driver for the research because the students experienced a one-week placement. So some people's perceptions of it was that it was observational, um, that maybe they weren't getting a lot out of it mm -hmm. anyway, um, and therefore, you know, we could easily move it to another place in the curriculum and maybe the students wouldn't be missing out so much. But I think Anne had had lots yeah. of conversations with the students. Well, that's the right, because it's only a one-week placement, so I guess it's easy to say, say oh, it's, you know, it's only the one week, but I just felt that it was... My sense of it was that it was important to them. Yeah. So it makes sense to do a research project around this um, and actually having this uh, making Im an impact into your curriculum. Mm. Yeah, right. Yeah. And I think, I mean, we sort of looked, you know, to find what we could... You know what we could find in the literature, but there, there was, you know, there really wasn't anything much on like specifically first year placement. Like there was stuff more broadly on mm. early year placements, yeah. um, but you know, not on first year. And a lot of the stuff was a masters as well, which is a little bit different because uh, you know undergraduates, well, they sort of come in from school, and a lot of them really don't know much about what I, you know, like when they come in with physio, like a lot of them have been to a physio, mm -hmm. but. A lot of them come into OT and they haven't been to an OT. Yeah. So they might not have quite as much real feel for it. Mm. And 
you know, compared with places, I guess, like the UK, the US, where there's an expectation that you submit a portfolio or you go to an interview and you've observed OTs or you've engaged with OTs and you have a real sense of what it is that you're applying for, our educational structure doesn't allow for that. It's like based on rank, you look at what you think you want to do, you maybe do a bit of searching on the net and then you select OT, maybe because you couldn't get into physio or maybe you couldn't get into medicine or, <laughs> or maybe you did actually. <laughs> well, for some students, that, that's the truth, right? <laughs> I'm really interested in people's publishing strategies. What made you decide to submit to the British Journal of Occupational Therapy? Yeah, well... Um, we initially had um, planned to submit it to the Australian Journal um, because we thought that was a pretty perfect fit given mm -hmm. that it was, done, you know, was an Australian study done within an Australian context. So we thought the Australian Journal was a perfect place for it. But unfortunately, the Australian Journal didn't think, didn't think we were such a perfect fit for it. Um, so we got rejected. Um, and I think, I mean, there was a variety of reasons. Some of them were... Some of them were things that were helpful in that we could then go back to the paper and make those things clearer. Yeah. Um, so things that were, you know, a misunderstanding or whatever, mm -hmm. we could think, well, okay, if that person misunderstood, well, someone else is also going to misunderstand mm -hmm. it, so we need to clarify that. Um, yeah, and so, so then we made it better and sent it to the British Journal. I, I mean, I, I, I think the British Journal, I like the things it publishes. It's quite good with publishing qualitative papers especially mm -hmm. like it, it's quite open-minded to qualitative papers so yes that seemed like a good fit good as well fit. and they had a range of um articles around practice education as well mm -hmm. so it seemed like it was also a good fit and because we have in some ways similar health systems and definitely similar education systems even though their entry criteria is different to ours it seemed like it might have a good fit and maybe reach a broader audience well, it's interesting you should say that because I note that your journal article is doing really well in terms of downloads and, and readability. I mean, so I would say it's the Australian journal's loss and the British journal's gain. What would you I think say? So. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely, I think so. And um, interestingly, Sage or the publishers of the journal just put out the most read articles in the last six months and oh. ours was ranked 42 out of 50. Congratulations. So that was pretty exciting. Well, yeah. And there were only two on practice education or field work in those 42, so that was pretty cool. Um, and we're now up to actually 660 downloads. I checked just this morning again. So Oh, that's great. Yeah. And, and so that's steadily moving. It's steadily moving up, and I think one of the reasons is that serendipitously uh, it got published in the year of COVID-19. And so a number of UK programs, in fact, all UK programs were really having to rethink placements and so this seemed to hit the sweet spot people were like if we can't have these early year placements or we can't do placements in the way that we would normally do them what else might we do and so I think that or hopefully that's why people are downloading it that it's of use to them and so you've actually got some hints and tips around those things yeah we definitely when we we did our kind of recommendations we just talked about if you couldn't do placement what was really important in that early loop experience for students and how might you um rethink the types of learning experiences that you might offer your students. Okay, that's really interesting. But without giving it all away, because obviously we want people to read your paper, tell us a little bit about the research methods you used and, and your rationale behind that. And maybe just a little bit about what you found most striking in your data. 
in terms of your main findings? Okay, well, I suppose in terms of the methods, so um, it was a qualitative study. Um, it, 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 was, it used a ground, grounded theory techniques. It, it wasn't a large enough study to be developing a full grounded theory, but it, was, it, it used um, constant comparative analysis and um, concurrent data collection analysis and that sort of thing. Um, so the idea was we wanted to really get at what was important to students. So we did focus groups and I guess we chose focus groups rather than individual interviews because we wanted students to be able to chat to each other and we wanted to see that interaction and we were hoping that they would be able to bounce their ideas off each other and um, also maybe feel a little bit more comfortable because I was the one interviewing them and you okay. know, being an academic. So, um, you know, a bit of a, you know, what, having a group of them, um, wanted them to feel a little bit more comfortable maybe, um, which I think they did and they, they sort of did they did sort of bounce ideas off each other and they were interested to learn from each other and to learn about each other's experiences. So, so I think that worked really well. Um, and they sort of compared their ideas with each other. So, so yeah, so we did um, interviews and then analysed them using, well, constant comparative analysis, which is a grounded theory um, technique of, you know, detailed coding and comparison, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, and I suppose um, in terms of the findings, well, I mean, we basically developed a framework that, mm. that sort of um, showed, well, these, these are the things that students value and want from a placement. And there was two sort of broad things, which was, what were they looking at? Oh, um, confirmation of OT as a career choice. Okay. And, and then their um, experience to draw on for future learning and practice. So that one-week placement seemed to be really important to them in sense of actually this is the career I can see myself doing. That's interesting with just one week. Yeah, so because they were involved with unusually, but not always, following one occupational therapist, mm -hmm. um, it really gave them a sense of in this kind of context, whether it was acute inpatient hospital or working in a private practice with children or maybe working in a mental health um, drop-in centre for people with mental health issues, they got a sense of what OT did here. Um, and I think that made it become really real for them because up until that point through their first semester of study is predominantly theoretical. So they're hearing about it, but they're not experiencing it. And in their first one-week placement, they get to experience a taste of it. But also they use that. So I think it was interesting, some of the fourth-year students said they remembered that quite strongly, that placement experience. And as they would go through their theory classes, they would reflect back on, oh, I saw someone who had that condition or... We, you know, that was the kind of service that was being delivered. So they retained the memories of those, that first placement, and then built on it as they went through their theory okay, courses. So I think it was, yeah, I'm sorry, I think, I think it was interesting that because in our study we, we interviewed people from first to fourth mm. year, so we didn't just interview them immediately after their placement. And, and you know, some of the ones in third and fourth year were sort of saying you, you don't realise how important it is until later. Like, they, they sort of felt like some of the outcomes that they got from it, they didn't get until until they moved on further and had a chance to really reflect on on and, what they'd learned. And did yeah. you have an inkling that, that you might get that kind of data from these students? Because I, I think if it was me, I might be a bit concerned interviewing people three, four years after their first placement that they might have forgotten about it or, or morphed into one or I might not have had 
so much detail. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I think it was a consideration, and, and I guess that's why we wanted to do the variety. But, but I think we, we did want them to be able to look back at the impact that it had on them as they progressed mm. through their course as well. Um, which which hadn't really been done before, but it, it sort of gave them the opportunity to look back, not just at like I had a good time there or yeah. whatever, but really how what difference did it make? So, in terms of your results, and again, we'll still hold some of it back for, for readers, but I'm going to ask you more. Was there anything you found that kind of surprised you, or that you just said was unexpected? Yeah, we kind of finished the the discussion with three kind of areas and the one that really jumped out for me was the importance of students. I mean, they often talked about really good placements, but what made a really, really good placement is if they got to participate, if they got to do during that week. Mm -hmm. And so to assist the therapist or the supervisor or educator in some ways. But interesting, the things that they talked about doing were actually very low key. They didn't have to be very big. So it was, you know, sorts of things like... Um, having a chat with a client or engaging, fetching equipment for the supervisor or um, things like providing education on how to complete a task or just being assisting in a group running. So they weren't high-powered, dramatic things that they needed to do to feel like they really gained from that experience. Yeah, I mean, some did, some did more than that. Like, there was there's yeah. a, there a qu actually quite a big variety in how much students were able to do depending on the settings and students realised that in some settings you could do more than others. But even in settings where, you know, you couldn't really get intervention-y with the client, mm. um, there was always stuff that could be done, you know, if the supervisor gave them the opportunity. And, and I mean, people felt, people felt um, like they were participating even when they were just being asked to observe and give their opinions. Like, that even that made them feel... That they were valued. That they were, yeah, that, 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 that they were valued and they weren't like, yeah, like that some of the quotes that someone said that they didn't want to feel just like the shadow in the room with a student badge. Oh, wow, that's powerful. Um, yeah, and, and she thought that, that she, had a, she had a good experience. Someone else who had a less good experience sort of said that he'd felt like he was following his supervisor around like a puppy. <laughs> um, so, yeah, like the, the, the experiences were, were varied, but that, that theme of, of participation was important. And, they, I mean, they also said that, I mean, some of them were sort of saying, well, you know, it's the seeing is so, it's so important because, um, you know, because of that often not, not having seen an occupational therapist in action mm -hmm. actually ever before... Um, but it's, it was almost like when I was rereading it, I was thinking it's almost like the, a, you know, like a hierarchy in that, that that seeing what the occupational therapists do seems to be the, and I'm using my hand here, sorry, it's not very good for <laughs> podcasts, but um, is like the bottom level. Mm. It's like the, the minimal that, almost like the minimum that they need was to see that, but that was so important because some who hadn't seen much felt that they'd really been disadvantaged. Yeah. But then building on that, there was this opportunity to participate um, and then also the making connections bit, which, which was about, you know, okay, I've seen what you've done, but now I need to make the connection between that and what I learnt at uni and between that and the reasoning of the therapist and between that and, um, you know, what other health professionals are doing or, or, or the, the, the patient's wider journey mm -hmm. along in, in, within their healthcare setting. Yeah. So it's like that sort of thing with the, the basis, or the bottom of the little 
you know, Maslow's little <laughs> hierarchy pyramid <laughs> and the others sort of sat on that. Yeah. And I think the important thing for those students who got to do, even if it didn't seem like a lot, was that they then started to get that feedback that started to give them a sense of, so how am I developing as this occupational therapist I want to be? So it was like the, the beginning steps of towards becoming that self-regulating learner wow. that we are looking for people to be. So when they got to do, then they got feedback and then they got a sense of, oh, I can do this or I'm not so good at this and I need to work on that. So it was that early stages of building those learning behaviours that are so essential for them, not only as they progress through their degree, but also then as registered professionals. That's fantastic. Mm. So, you know, what now? Now you've published this, what, what's next? Yeah, good question. Yeah. Um, Merrily's more in that area still than I am. Yeah. So I think um, where I've gone from here, and it was, I mean, Anne's leadership in this article was so important because she was the one that kept going, come on, <laughs> move along. Have you done your bit yet? It's like, oh, my goodness, I've got to get it done. Um, but where we've, I guess some of my research has continued to springboard off from that. Mm. is really looking at, so what is the quality of the placement learning experiences? How can we um, facilitate or build uh, placement models that enable students to do earlier? So we've got a small team that's been working across Curtin University, Sydney University, and with our partners in practice, looking at taking entrustable professional activities, which were designed originally as an assessment tool in medical education, yeah. Yeah. Um, come, it's come back down through into undergraduate education, and so we've taken it as an into allied health, so across OT and physio and speech pathology, and said, can we use these as learning tools? We have our standardised assessments for competency, but can we get this notion of students actually can do, and if they get to do early, then that starts to build their confidence and their competence. So that's a project we've got underway. We've got some data collected, and now we need to use the summer break to start doing some of the analysis of that. Our honours student has actually has done that and that's sitting in his little dissertation, but we really need to build on that and look at the benefits both for students, educators and also for the service users themselves. And you'll come back and talk to us all about it when you've published. Oh yes, because we might have changed the name by then because we've probably confused <laughs> people around entrustable professional activities. <laughs> well, that's for another day. So I'd just like to thank Merrily Penman and Anne Honey being here with me. They've been talking about their paper published in the June 2020, volume 83, issue 10 of the British Journal of Occupational Therapy. You actually see what occupational therapists do in real life, outcomes and critical features of first-year practice education placements. Thank you. Thank Thanks. you.